Welcome to the GMS Podcast with your host, Jorge M. Sanchez. What's going on, JMS Podcast listeners? Thank you for tuning in for another great episode. For a reminder, if this is your first time, welcome to the JMS Podcast. I hope you make yourself comfortable here, and I hope you are ready for a great conversation. If you have not already, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and a lot of those Android podcast apps such as the CastBox app. You can follow the GMS Podcast on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Some great content available there and some upcoming news. On top of that, you can also check out the GMS Podcast website. You got that keyboard in front of you. How about we use it? Just type in jmspodcast.com. On the homepage, you can also join the email list, and you can check out all the free available content on that website. We like to support the podcast one step further and donate. Sure you can. Just go to patreon.com slash jmspodcast and uh, help me run this thing, uh, keep it going, and uh, let's, let's talk to more people in the community and all that jazz. You might have noticed that my voice is a bit gravelly today. It's a bit off. I am going through a uh, climate change sickness a little bit. It happens to me once in a while, especially since we're transitioning from summer to fall. My, uh, I got a little tickle in my throat, a little congestion in the nose and in the ear. So uh, I would have recovered fully by now, except I've been I've been going out pretty late at night lately. I've been uh, having a couple performances. Last night I had a comedy stand-up performance at Hollister. Took a ride there with, with the crew, with Faco and VCP, and my friend Miranda. She, she joined us to perform some stand-up for some locals in Hollister, and it was a lot of fun. The thing is, it was at a house party, so I had to kind of yell out the punchlines. So here I am the next morning, losing my voice. But big shout-out to the people in Hollister for putting that show together. Thank you so much. Uh, there were young people, young kids, pretty much putting it together, and I was really impressed. And we all had a good time. It was awesome. The best. And the best of all is after that, uh, we hit up Foster Freeze. And you can't hate Foster Freeze. Foster Freeze, for some reason, tastes better when you're eating it out there on the countryside. Right? Don't get me wrong. I like the Foster Freeze that's in Japantown and I think it's one of Mopitas. They're all good and all. But when you go to the secluded towns and they got a Foster Freeze, oh, it is just the best. The extra sense of... You know, being isolated adds a flavor to it. I can't really explain, but you know what I'm talking about. We like to check out some free stand-up comedy. Well, come to my show at Frascati Comedy Night every Wednesday night. Uh, we have some great and amazing talent. Uh, just last uh, Wednesday, we had Sandy Steck. She is a club comic from Rooster Teeth Feathers, and she was the radio personality, or she is the radio personality of Star 101.3. And uh, those kind of great performances you'll catch at the Frascati Comedy Night at Cafe Frascati in downtown San Jose. Address is 315 South 1st Street. Uh, and I, I really believe that this is a com- comedy fans uh, comedy show. It's free and it's a lot of fun. And you'll see me there and you'll see a lot of familiar faces and voices that you heard on this podcast performing on that night. Once again, Frascati Comedy Night on Wednesday nights in downtown San Jose. Stop on by and just say hello. All right, today's guest, uh, we have a special guest. You, you won't believe it. I, I, I couldn't even believe it. 
uh, because this guy is truly special, not just to, to talk to him, but what he does to the community. The one and only, the cultivator. I had the cultivator here on the GMS podcast, Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia, he's the guy who runs and puts together the, the content magazine. And I'm sure you've, if you've not heard of the content magazine, I'm sure you've seen it around. The, these beautiful, big um, uh, uh, magazine covers that you can find at your local cafes and, and other areas here in the South Bay. But let me fix my composure a bit. You see, it is a big deal for me to talk with this guy because uh, obviously when starting out this podcast, content magazine in some way was an influence because they pretty much do similar, at its core, similar things. I mean, we're, we're, I'm trying to go out there and meet these creative people in the community and content magazine just does that except you know exponentially at a higher level and and it's just amazing to pick his brain about that and and this guy is such a great guy such a great guy honestly the cultivator has a very uh, uh very almost um threatening to it like oh my god you're talking to the cultivator he's gonna cultivate you man it's like no this guy's like the nicest guy in the world nicest guy in the world so anyway, so you're in for a great, great conversation. So stay tuned for that. Hmm. Anything else I need to talk to you guys? Oh, let's see. Today I'm recording this on a Sunday because I had a show on, on Saturday night. And looks like, let's see. The, yeah, I'm about 10 days away from my surgery. Uh, if you haven't heard already, I'm getting my gallbladder moved. Uh, they found a, a mass, a polyp. And I'm freaking out about it because I am a hop, hypochondriac. But so hopefully by then I'll have some extra content to put out. So the surgery shouldn't take away from the weekly scheduling of, of uploading these podcast episodes. So I think so far we are a-okay. I'm, I'm preparing myself for that. Uh, mentally, I'm preparing myself. Emotionally, I'm preparing myself. And uh, It's just weird. It's just weird the idea of a part of me, literally an organ of mine, is going to be removed and it's going to be analyzed, and there's a 10% chance it's cancer, so I'm knocking on wood, but regardless, it's it's going to be away from me, you know, this thing that I was born with, this, this thing that in some ways grew up with me, and now it's going to end up, like, in a trash somewhere, you know, is that how they dispose of organs, you know, they just throw it in the trash, or or do they uh, burn it up, I don't know what they do to it, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some protocol to that, but still, it's a part of me that's leaving forever. And still don't know, I don't know how to deal with that. My surgeon says that he told he said, Jorge, you're not gonna miss this part. Trust me. It's like, all right, man. All right. All right, let's go talk to Daniel Garcia, the cultivator. Let's see what he's been up to. Yeah, man, I'm glad you could find the place. You know, some people who who lived in San Jose didn't know this was part of San Jose. It's oh. so north. You know, usually when yeah. they, when they ask where I'm from, I say it's north San Jose. Yeah, and they assume Japantown. And I'm like, no, I'm like <laughs> way north. Like north, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um, it's it's all its own little town up here. I'm always surprised actually when I because my son plays soccer right over here by. Uh, oh, that new field. Yeah, Vista Montana, I think they call uh-huh. it. So um, yeah, I'm always surprised when I come up here and like. Dang, this is further than I would think. Yeah. But then if I go the other way out towards like Camden and Almaden Valley and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, because I live downtown, so I'm like, this is far too. It's yeah, a big it's place. Good. It's a big place. Yeah. 
Cool. Mm-hmm. So when did you start the podcast? Like what year? Uh, let's see. I want to say 2015. 2015? Give okay. or take. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was on, on my birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I'm getting crackles from your phone. Is uh, that my phone? Do you want me yeah. to turn it completely off? Please do. Yeah. I know it's weird. Yeah, I was wondering if it was just the headphones or... No, I know these Apple phones. They, I thought they fixed it. But I know I used to do some video stuff and we used to get interference. Okay, well, that's too bad because I like to like... What kind of video stuff were you involved I in? I like to scroll Instagram while I'm talking to people, so that's going to ruin everything. You know, just stuff. Was it like personal <laughs> projects? or was Some it like was with the magazine and some was kind of like gigs that came out of the magazine. So, yeah, you know what? Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I have a buddy of mine who does videos for content. Uh, uh, David. David. Uh, uh, the poet. The, the oh yeah, David Perez. Perez. Yeah, yeah he yeah. did a few. Yeah. Yeah, me yeah. and him we worked on some screenplays together. Oh right. Well, he worked on his, and I worked on mine. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, yeah, he, he was very excited about that, yeah. and I was excited for him uh, to be doing that stuff. And that's pretty awesome. Like, was video always part of the content platform? We always wanted to do video, but video is it takes so much time to produce it. You right. Know, from recording it, from you got audio, you mm-hmm. got the visuals. You know what I mean then editing and then you have to yeah it's just a lot so i don't have the funds really to pay enough people to right, do that right. so we kind of do what we can when we can but we're looking to in 2019 to kind of build that out on a more regular basis mm-hmm. so well i uh, I, w- I want to go back a bit daniel garcia yeah. i'm happy that you're here it's awesome it's pretty it's pretty awesome for you to have you here and i know you're you're uh, you're you're from sounds as you grew up here what, what part of town i grew up on the east well kind of the east side now it's it's like Quimby Oak, Silver Creekish area, kind of like Evergreenish. Evergreen. That's yeah. That's what they call it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Evergreen. How was it growing up in that area? I loved it. I mean, you know, um, it was a pretty small little world back right. when I, because I'm pretty old. It's like suburbia, it would, right? It was suburbia, way. and it was a lot of orchards. You know, apricot mm-hmm. fields and stuff like that. I worked in the fields when I was younger. And really, um, what were you picking? Apricots, man. You know, what, was yeah. it a family business or was it just something to to get some money? Yeah, it was like a, a job. With I think the farm was actually D'Amico. I think the family. They're kind of like our sourcey. There were two kind of like Italian families that owned a bunch of property and. We worked on their farm. At least I did. My dad was a firefighter, so um, but we had to get a job. Wow. Yeah. How, how was that like having a fa- uh, father dealing with f- fire in that level? Yeah, you know what? I think it was kind of cool. I mean, I think that some of my like love for the city became came from him right. because he loved the city so much, especially like he cared for the people, like being a firefighter, right? Mm-hmm. So we used to like on his days off because San Jose was really expanding, we used to drive the streets and he would try to memorize all the different streets so when they got a call, he'd be able to get there quick. So I think that kind of like gave me appreciation for the city. Mm-hmm. I don't think, um, like that wasn't his goal and I didn't even realize it till after, till I kind of came back and I was like, I do like this place. Why do I like it so much? And then I started thinking and that was probably one of the factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was your mother also working for the public? Services? Um, no, she was pretty much a stay-at-home mom for the most part, but then she worked at Eastridge mm-hmm. for a while, and then she worked as a bank teller and stuff like that. Yeah, But and she was real creative. I mean, she was she's a seamstress, baking, she still does that, um, ceramics, knitting, sewing, I mean, like, everything. Mm-hmm. So we always, you know, brought up doing that. Do you feel that's where you kind of got your, your creative side from? Yeah, totally, yeah. 
I'm yeah. sure your father's fire. Was he creative in any way? I'm sure he was. Yeah, actually, you know, my dad actually can draw quite well. He used to do charcoal stuff, but he never really kind of pursued it, but he, he, he could do it. Is there a connection? Um, he just charcoal and he's a firefighter? Yeah, right. I don't know. I never thought about that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, he would just pick up some remains of the, the building. <laughs> That's what he's most familiar with, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. He would just take the soot <laughs> off his uniform and then, right. No, yeah, I don't know. I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know what he did. I think there was a class that was given like at one of the community centers and he took that and he did really well actually, but mm-hmm. he didn't pursue it. Um, but my mom used to, when we were growing up, she used to give us this, um, she belonged to like a craft of the month. So we'd always get this box of random things and you had to put together a craft. So my mm-hmm. mom was really interested in kind of like showing us the arts and stuff like and that. And they mailed the stuff to people? Yeah. So it was like Blue Apron, but instead of food, it was it was just craft stuff to do. Totally. It was like, uh, what, Stitch Fit or whatever? You know, like they send you clothes each week or some yeah. kind of, you know, like, yeah, you get a box. And Fascinating. This, actually, it's a good thing. That's a good little hipster thing to bring back, right? <laughs> right. Like a little craft of the month. Right, right, Get right. your pickling macrame. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Let's yeah, start yeah, a new business. Let's start it. Let's get it going. <laughs> Do you have any siblings growing up? Anything like that? Yeah, I have a sister. She's a couple years older than me. She's... Um, uh, went into fashion design and worked for Nordstrom's and BB for a long time and now she kind of like got out of the retail fashion scene and now she's doing real estate hmm yeah so you, that's something she picked up from her mother, from mom right because her mom wasn't too fashion and craft and yeah totally I mean we had like uh, and then your pattern books and everything all over the house and you do photography for fashion so yeah, I think there's a big of, connection going on there yeah, with the family totally yeah that's how it started out I think actually my sister was doing kind of like wanted to do fashion design and was going to the Fashion Institute of Merchandise Designing and I was doing kind of fashion photography and went to Academy of Art and we were kind of like thinking of, you know, like this fashion mm. kind of thing, but you know. What well, was, was those things that you wanted to do during high school, like that was the game plan at a very young age? Actually, no. For me, there was no game plan. It was pretty much, um, I was going through high school just doing stuff and I didn't get into photography actually t- by accident my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a girlfriend that was on yearbook and she said like, why don't you take, well, she was like, well, let's take a class together. And I was like, well, like what? She goes, well, let's do yearbook. And I, well, I can't write, you know, and I'm horrible, that kind of stuff. She goes, well, be a photographer. They don't have to do anything. <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so that summer before my senior year, um, I went in with the, the yearbook kind of like leader and, um, you know, learned a little about photography and I loved it and been doing it ever since. Are there any basic stuff that you learned then that you still apply now? Um, you know, as those were the days of film. So, um, so hard. Yeah, right? I, dude, I, I have full <laughs> respect for any photographer and filmmakers working in film. Yeah. Tried it once. I'm like, you know, I'm just too anxious <laughs> working right? with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it actually, yeah. I mean, I think what I learned and then what digital has kind of like unfortunately robbed for me is film, you had to be way more intentional. You really had to be able to visualize the process. You had to mm-hmm. know because right. you're not going to look at it, right? Right. So you had to know when my light meter says 125 at 5.6, I know in this situation it's really 125 at 4 because the light's different. Do you know what I mean? With digital, you still can make those decisions and have that kind of stuff, but you can look at it and go like, oh, okay. Mm. You know what I mean? So that was, I think that was the biggest thing. But now that I've been shooting digital for the last 15, 10, 15 years, um, it's, I think I have all those kind of things in my arsenal. But, so I would think that, but then I would just go and shoot and look at it. You know what I mean? But if something goes wrong, at least I can kind of like, oh, I know why it's happening because the light's coming through that back window. There's not as much front light. You know what I mean? So once you got this like, oh my God, I love this thing. What kind of subjects were you photographing? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, well, for started with the yearbook, so it was just doing all the sports type things, and so we did that. I like that. I thought I was going to do that. Then I went to Chico to kind of, kind of major in business, and then I took a class, one photo class, and then because I wasn't really, I'm not much of a student, what I did was I started blowing off my academic classes and just do my photo class, and I went to the library. And I just started looking through all the old photo magazines and photography and fashion. So then that's when I really kind of said, like, you know, it makes sense for me to do fashion photography. I have a real kind of love for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then I quit, went to Academy of Art. So that was kind of the role to be a fashion photographer. And then um, when I was at Academy of Art, um, I did a one, I had one fashion portfolio shot or class. I had 10 images from the classwork. I went into an agency and the photographer had just, they just fired him the day before, like their staff fashion photographer for this agency. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, oh, why don't you start tomorrow? So I like, I didn't know what I was doing. I got into it. And that photographer actually really helped me. He came back and started helping. And he um, had assisted like Helmut Newton and Annie Leibovitz. And he kind of like took me under his wing. And Some big names. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. No it's, pressure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he would tell me like different, like different lighting techniques and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, that was fun. And then that kind of like just went on and I started doing that for quite a while. So it seems yeah. like you, you you seem to be like very ingrained in having uh, people as subjects. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Uh, I found that the most difficult. You know, I do some photography myself, oh, yeah? and I just, you know, do whatever. And but one thing I try to stay away from is exactly that. You know, kind of like fashion photography and and just dealing with people posing, because I don't know how to approach it. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Like, how did you approach it initially? Like, yeah, I was the opposite. You know, what happened to me is I I took a journalism class, a photojournalism class, and I started to realize that. That I don't like that situation where you're you're coming in, especially in like a lot of disaster and those kind of things, and you're kind mm. of ex- I felt like you're exploiting the people. So I I really liked shooting people, and I was like you know at least fashion photography there's it's it's fantasy and it's almost like making a movie and telling a story. Mm-hmm. So there's an agreement right. I'm going to take your picture. We're going to try to do it, and we're going to try to convey this right. Right. So it's more of a project. Yeah. Um, but taking pictures of trees and rocks and still lifes, I haven't really gotten into just because I feel like, I don't know. I feel every time I sit to go take a picture of or set up to do a, a thing, I was like, man, it'd be really cool if a person was right there. So I don't know what it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. I get bored with landscapes. That's just two <laughs> things, like about having people in, in your images like that. Uh, either you really love people or you really hate people. Yeah, I which guess. are you? <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I'm in love. I mean, my yeah, whole yeah. kind of thing. I mean, that's. I mean, I had stopped doing photography. I kind of retired from photography for about ten years. Mm, what and happened? So I kind of I came became a Christian during this time. I was doing fashion photography, and I became a Christian. You weren't raised Christian. I wasn't raised Christian. I was raised kind of Catholic, but okay. kind of like I call it country club. Catholic sure. is like you go to it, but you really don't know what's going on. Right. But then I became a Christian, and out of that, what basically happened was. Um, I kind of just realized, you know what, that this world is about loving God and loving your neighbors and people are like the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so even the starting of the magazine was kind of my trying to figure out how I live out my faith and for me to help people get exposure and help their careers, either if they're a young photographer that needs to get exposure or they're a young artist that needs to get clients or if they're a coffee shop that needs more customers. I can use my photography and 
that to help them get more business and bless them. So mm-hmm. that's really kind of like the motivation behind everything that I'm doing is like loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so for me, people, everything is about people. And I even tell all of our team, people work is that behind everything is a person. Like, you know, like this microphone and this glass and this piece of paper with type on it, you know what I mean? That all happened because somebody moved it, touched it, did it. You sure, know I mean? yeah. And so if you really There's look a ma- at, manipulation going on that some humans had yeah uh, something to do with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's all comes out of people's minds and their passions. And for mm-hmm. me, it was like, that's what I, I need to spend my life helping bring up right. and help bless people in that area. Yeah. But you mentioned that you retired for 10 years from photography. Yeah. Why did you feel you had to sacrifice photography to seek this more faith-based uh, yeah. journey? Yeah. Well, I felt like, uh, I felt like God was telling me, like, you're building your identity out of being a photographer. Like, you don't know the difference between who you are and what you do. Mm. So you need to stop. And so I stopped, and I kind of had to rethink, like, who am I? Like, why am I doing this, and why am I here, you know? Right. And then after a while, um, and I, I truly stopped. Like, I didn't shoot at all. Was there an event that happened that triggered this, or was it just uh, all of a sudden? It was like a spiritual meditation conversation with God where it was just like, I need to rebuild you based on you as a person, mm-hmm. not as like, you know, a human being, not a human doing would be like, you know, the catchphrases right now. Right. So yeah, that was the whole kind of thing. I had to re reevaluate who I was, what life was or is, and then kind of like come back to it. And then I hadn't done any photography. And then someone that was at my church actually said, Hey, can you take some pictures of us? Um, our mom, is dying of cancer and we want a whole family portrait. Right. So I went, we did the family portrait and then this one moment she like looked up and I just got this shot and I was like, oh my gosh, that was an incredible shot. She died like two days later and they used that for the funeral. I was like, you know what, I felt like, and then I felt like the Lord was telling me like, look at this is a gift that I've given you. I want you to use it now. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the magazine kind of like, wait a minute, I can use these gifts right. to help my community, help build a city, help build... Um, people's connections with each other, right? I mean, like, you know, like you're doing the interviews, you get to know somebody, right? Sure, yeah. So if I can have a team of 15, 20, 30, 40 writers out there all building relationships with other people in the community, we're building stronger networks. Yeah. So, well, I mean... Sorry, I transitioned to the magazine. No, 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 <laughs> no worries. I, I, I really, you know, because I, I know that you got a master's in theology, I'm assuming it was during this time. Yeah. Uh, and you were a pastor for 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is that like? You know, I feel like it's a little nerve wracking, right? Because being a pastor, it's much more than being, you know, a, helping others. But you're becoming a, a leader of some sort and a leader in a very in a subject of religion. So, yeah, yeah. how how was that like? Uh, it was fun. Uh, it's fun. I mean, I guess you know, there's there's nothing more important than people, right? And to be able to help people think not only critically but spiritually about their life and their relationships and about God and then be with them in hard times and in good times you know be there for somebody's wedding but be there for their baptism and be there for a funeral do you know what I mean yeah you really it really is great and the church you know what I mean like I mean the church kind of gets a bad rap a lot of stuff but the network and the community that happens and the the access to 
so many more different like worldviews, like the travel I've been able to do. Like when I was growing up, we never went like water skiing, we never went snow skiing, we never went camping. But because of like the church and the church helping, you know, the community, helping other people like learn about life, I had the opportunity to do all those different kind of things. And to me, my it was it was just a, it was a fun, beautiful time. I mean, it really was. It was great. I mean, it's hard in the sense that you know, people are looking for you for leadership, but I think that I'm, I, I think people know that I ha I lack so many like leadership skills that they weren't relying on me for leadership. So it was actually pretty good because then we could do it together, which I feel is like is a better model anyways. Yeah. And so it worked out. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, how big was your congregation? Well, I was a part of, I did the college, um, and young adults ministry. Mm. So it was one in Fremont. And so, um, the church was had two different, I don't know how big it was at that Fremont community church. I mean, they probably had two services. They probably had like a thousand member church. Right. Right. So then we had like maybe 50 college kids and stuff like that. And then, um, then when I came to one here in San Jose, the church that my parents were going to, um, that was uh, roughly about the same size. Yeah. So I was, I was, you know, there was like the pastor and I was one of the other pastors right. on the team. Yeah. And, and what, do you mind me asking what, what, uh, denomination was it? Yeah, the first one was technically Baptist. Mm -hmm. The second one was what the, is evangelical free, which is kind of like this thing that came out of Sweden. The free means that they're not controlled by the government. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. back in the day, you used to have to be in, like in Sweden, I think. You had to be, to be a citizen or something like that. You had to be baptized within the state church. Anyway, so they were rebellious against that. But anyways, so that's that. But it was really... What I found was really cool, I think, even in the time, is that a lot of those denomination lines, at least people that were like my age and younger doing ministry, were kind of like, some of these arguments are kind of stupid. And so there wasn't a big denominational, and churches were really working together, or still are now, working together in mm -hmm. a great way. So it really, I just, so I pretty much would always say this just generic Christianity. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the reason I'm asking, it's so fascinating, is actually, <laughs> that's what I initially wanted to study, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, my, my first major was in, in theology. Oh, I, cool, was, right on. But after the first class, like, ah, I, I, it's way over my head. <laughs> what did you, like, what's yeah, your yeah. full-time gig? What's your main hustle? <laughs> Don't really have one, man. I'm just everywhere right now. I mean, I... I, mean, I you freelance with... Not even, dude. I'm pretty bad at this stuff. I just, I just do what I like to do. You know, that's uh, nice. Short films and photography and, and play music and yeah. It's but so you don't have to have a nine to five. You're not doing. That? I do have a nine to five, but it's totally not related to. Is it in a tech? Stuff. It must be in tech. No, no, no. Oh, okay. All. I'm a blue collar kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like again, which, which is, I find it so fascinating that for you, you, you came from some from a blue collar background. Yeah, you, you went into and you found like a a, a creative. Yeah. Field and you, yeah. and you somewhat gave it up to for the spiritual path, which I think yeah. is, is so self-sacrificing and <laughs> and amazing. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's self-sacrificing. <laughs> well, you kind of had to to dedicate yourself in that, right? I think. Well, maybe that's it. I guess. Um, yeah, I guess uh, self-sacrificing, more um, more devotion. Devotion. That's part of the right? word for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. it's not so much what could be considered to be. A sacrifice in some ways and even can get negative connotation right like you're giving up something but my perspective was it's like but like I'm, I wasn't giving up anything that was helping me so how 
is that sacrificing, I'm actually getting more benefits. So even for me to like let photography go so that the Lord could rework on who I was mm -hmm. and help me be a better person, there kind of isn't a sacrifice. I guess it is. I don't know. I mean, it was a sacrifice in the sense that it completely changed my income. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It changed exactly what I was doing. I mean, I had... Well, lifestyle, had no, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, totally. I mean, that was... For the, the better, I'm sure. Well, totally for right? the better. But I mean, the, the, the thing that even was like behind the scenes of me coming to faith was with struggling with my, my identity because I was already thinking I wanted to get out of photography. I had a studio in San Francisco and I was doing stuff. So I'd... It was like on all the guest lists for all the like clubs because the models go. They're working with the agencies, shooting stuff, shooting some designer books, getting it, some of the magazines. It could be a pretty decadent uh, field sometimes. Totally. And yeah. then I would be there, but then I was already thinking of getting out, so I was taking less jobs, and then I still had to pay my rent and studio and all that kind of stuff. So I was working at Graveyard. I was working doing um, janitorial work. And so one place is like I could walk up to the door, hey Daniel, how you doing? Oh, I totally want to meet you to know about your photography, get right in, then go put on the janitor's outfit and go around dumping the garbage and then be treated like you're invisible. Yeah. And I was like, this is really interesting because I'm I'm the same. Mm -hmm. Right? But everybody has this perspective of who you are based upon what outfit you're wearing or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was some of the things that kind of helped me come to the Lord, and that was some of the things that God wanted to show me like the value of people is way beyond what they do right mm -hmm. if it's the ceo of i don't know whatever right versus the person who i don't know doing something that wouldn't be traditionally seen as important mm -hmm. you know what i mean there's no difference in the value of those people to the community or especially to god or should be for us then as our neighbors right right who's more right. important the homeless person or the mansion well, actually, they're just as valuable and just as, um, I don't want to say valuable, important, just as human. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so you decided to come back to, to photography, but at this time to, to use it for, for good, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you use it more productive yeah. to the community and for totally. others. Yeah. Uh, so what was the game plan? And by the time, what, what time yeah. range was this? So let's see. So this would be... 2008-ish is when this kind of when I started tinkering again with photography. So the first thing I did is I called up some local magazines and I still kind of knew some folks and then this is kind of like how the magazine, my content came about. And they said, yeah, sure, you can shoot for us. That would be great. We'd love for you to shoot for you. Um, we don't pay our photographers. And then I was like, okay, this is dumb. Like, I'll just... How do photographers get paid in that field then? How does it work? Well, you got to work your way up. And a lot of stuff for publications is because you're getting your name out there and it leads to other work. Mm. Um, so, but then I was just like, well, if I'm going to be doing that, then I will just do what I want to do and I'll just do interviews. And then that kind of led to like setting up the magazine. So it wasn't necessarily like a, a plan of starting a magazine. It was more or necessarily a plan to get back into photography. It was more of um, these kind of things happened, came together, and moved me in that direction. Hmm. Yeah. So it was about 2008. 2008, and but you didn't get to publish till 2012. So yeah, what, correct. What, so what was happening those four years? How, how were you kind of pulling things together? Yeah. And envisioning it. Yeah. So I was still working at the church. I had a college group that was really creative, and so like was they wanted to get out in the community and do some stuff. So we started kind of doing a magazine. That particular time, everybody, the big mantra was print is dead and all that kind of stuff. So we were thinking, like, what can we do that's not print and how can we do it online? And then we started kind of, like, investigating and doing things and doing print on demand. 
So we did that for a little bit and I had a whole team of people. We basically met for like once a month for a couple months with the people that I knew from different industries and different kind of stuff and talked about what could we do for a magazine. And, um, and then we did that for a little bit and we had a couple print on demand ones and online blogish type stuff. And then all the folks were pretty burnt out and I was kind of burnt out. I said, okay, that's it. So about 2009, 2010, 2010-ish or whatever, we stopped. And then um, I just had the Jones. I was like, no, I have to do this. So I started up again. We did Kickstarter. And then we started in 2015. Hmm. So the focus was originally just to be San Jose, but everybody was saying, like, um, there's not enough material in San Jose. And I was like, I think there is. Um, So, you know, I kind of was holding on to that. But... We've kind of expanded a little bit now again, but anyway. Well, it's a little weird, uh, you know. I mean, it's a tough market. The well, on top of that, the whole rhetoric I hear about, you know, sounds it's like I feel the community we have here. It's so much connected to just you know beyond. I mean, with the surrounding cities and surrounding communities. Totally. And even this podcast, you know, people are like, yeah. "Oh, is it just San Jose guests?" No, it's it's all over the South Bay. Yeah. Uh, Did you grow up here in San Jose? Or? Born, born and raised. Yeah. You know, so. But see, so you think like San Jose, which I think like San Jose, which is that I, I love the city. I love this area. But Los Gatos, Mountain View, Sunnyvale, like I'll travel there anytime. And I don't even, re- in Santa Clara, I don't even know where the borderlines are. I feel right. like it's still my backyard. Right. You know, they don't think of San Jose that way, right? You know, oh. somebody from Mountain View is not going to come to San Jose and think that they, like it's their city. But I'll go to Mountain View and be like, it's really San Jose. Well, I, 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 I mean, personally, I have a love-hate relationship with this town, you know? Yeah, sure, Sometimes it's like, do. oh, I hate this place. Sure, yeah, Sometimes, yeah. oh, I love this place. You know, it really depends. But yeah. overall, for something like this uh, overhaul, I, I think it's interesting how to concentrate in just San Jose, even that just means so much. Yeah. There's so many things in San Jose, so, so many things. Yeah. But on top of that, you know, uh, some some of those things are connected to other parts of the South Bay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, not to say that you didn't have enough content. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's plenty. There was, yeah. It, it's there just, is. It, it, yeah. I think the difference, because I get this a lot from comedians and musicians of, you know, trying to create a scene here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that we? I think what San Jose doesn't have, which you know, the the people look up to, you know, such so as San Francisco. It's like we don't really have that history yet of yeah. entertainment or that history yeah. laid out. So it's really you know our you know generations building that history. Yeah, yeah. But it's a point to not rush it. Yeah. To not make it contrived. Yeah. It, it must, in my opinion, it must be organic. Yeah. Which is which? I think the big shift is, and what I've been telling people is like you know. It's not so much of trying to be like someplace, but let's just be who we are. And that's what the approach I have in the magazine. I think you do too with the podcast. It's like I'm not I'm not trying to be something. We're just gonna be we're just gonna tell the stories that are here. Right. And wherever that goes, whatever, right? At least we're doing what we're called to do within this area in this region to do what we're and who cares? Mm-hmm. I mean, why should I worry about New York? <laughs> you know, I love New York. I love going to New York. I don't know if I'd like to live there. I love San Jose. I enjoy living here because of my family and all that kind of stuff. But I see other places. I think, well, I'd like to live there. Barcelona. I just got back from Spain. Like, oh, this is great. You know what I mean? But there's so many other things that make up your community than a nightlife scene or entertainment. Right. right? It's the people and it's those communities that you get connected with. And I think that's what makes somebody love um, a city is that ultimately it comes down to those relationships because you can go to New York and have a horrible experience and be lonely as heck and it might be the most thrivingest place where there's most opportunities but if you're by yourself mm-hmm. it's going to suck right? Yeah. 
And yeah. so I think it's the communities. And I think what's great about San Jose is that we are in a time period where those different communities are coming together, we're developing, we're growing, um, we're investigating who we are, what we can be. We have all kinds of social, economic, racial pressures upon us, but all of that is kind of like the joy of what we're becoming, you know, and what we are now. All right. So when you're building this stuff, that's what you had in mind, pretty much. It initially, was to have something concentrated here in San Jose. Yeah. And you found that difficult. You know? Yeah, only from a purely marketable point. Mm. Like, is the audience there for it? Basically, yeah. The like, I, like the people in Las Gatas and Mountain View, if they see San Jose on it, they automatically turn away from it. <laughs> San Joseans are right. very loyal and they'll do it. So the thing is, we went with the Silicon Valley nomenclature, yeah, just yeah. because, like you know, it, it is. That's very prudent. Yeah, it is. It is bigger, so it's a little bit of a marketing thing, not really like a hard thing. If you, so, even now, we're still keeping it on there. Um, because now we're merged with SV Creates, which is a nonprofit arts organization that does stuff all through Santa Clara County. Mm-hmm. So it's a bigger mission. So I really think it was much more Santa Clara County centric. And then like at the at the heart of the circle, it's out of San Jose. It's like made, produced, done from a San Jose point of view. It's there. But then how does that affect the world? And then all those other areas that are kind of connected, like the surrounding areas, the 13 cities in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Plus we want, you know, I might have a little heart for the underdog. So we're doing little things for Fremont and we're making sure we get a little Milpitas and we're looking at Morgan Hill to give them some stuff and definitely love Santa Cruz what's going on there so we're including those places because they don't necessarily get the same amount of love and appreciation you know that's some other stuff like even like the you know the South County um wine scene is incredible like the wineries that they're doing the quality of it yeah but in San Martin, right? Yeah, like and Morgan Hill. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of great stuff. But everybody always thinks about Napa Valley, right? And so Napa Valley is a created, like they marketed themselves as this high class winery and fine dining and all that kind of stuff. So the South Bay has just as good or well, you know, the quality of wine, but it's a different kind of environment. It's much more family friendly. You can go there. You can do a picnic. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fun. So. You have those different kind of things. And so that needs to be told because this is, you don't need to drive two hours to go get a fine, you know, recognized one. You can go 30 minutes and you can have an incredible day up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. You know what I mean? It could be the sun's shining. You can see the fog over there and you can have a great glass of wine and you can have Aki Kumar play harmonica blues for Aki it. Kumar. Yeah. I dig that guy. Yeah, he rocks. Yeah. 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 Um, hopefully I can get him on here some, one day. Yeah, I'm sure he'll do it. Just call him <laughs> <up. laughs> Well, I, I go to his uh, his mic on Thursday nights at the oh. Barbecue. It's, it's one of those secret spots. Well, not so secret as I'm saying it now. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, man, great. Yeah. Well, what is the biggest challenge at this time for you? The biggest challenge, well, I mean, the biggest challenge. There's so many little challenges that they all go into one big bucket. Um, so I think the biggest challenge, I would say this. For the magazine to grow, or to be more effective, right? Um, I need to learn how to delegate more. I love doing so much of it. So I'm my own worst enemy because I love being involved in everything. So letting go of that kind of stuff is difficult, which is typical for kind of like a quote unquote founder situation, right? They 
So I'm the same way, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got with this podcast. You know, it's uh, again. I do some video and some food articles and stuff like that. And it's like it'd be so easier to have someone do it for me. Yeah. But no, like I gotta be there. I gotta be in the trenches. <laughs> right. You know, because you'd love it, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So and so that's the thing. I think that strategically, I'm thinking of ways of how can there be other people on the team that have very similar kind of passion, mission, directions, focus. And then I don't have to, you know, oversee as much. And I can do more of kind of like the global thinking and connecting that I that would probably be better. And then, and it's really good. I mean, and then if I do that, even if I do less of the photography, I'm able to have that many more photographers engage with other people. That reaches the mission. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I want to do this shoot because I want to meet that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's kind of like that kind of. So that's probably the, one of the biggest challenges, you know. What is something you feel you felt you learned uh, when making this magazine? Do you do you feel like you had a, a different perspective in the community? Things that you discovered. Um, uh, perspective of the community. Well, for example, for me, before this podcast, uh, in in, high, in retrospect, I felt like I, I was very ignorant of what was out there in the community. You know, I was very ignorant in you know, especially the city of San Jose. But once I started interviewing people, you know, from all types of backgrounds and creative people, uh, it really opened my eyes, you know, like how much certain regions have the thing going and how much uh, great things people are like and, and patterns. Yeah. So And now I feel like, oh, my God, I have a much more sense of this town. Yeah. But I wouldn't ha- know that if I didn't start this podcast. Yeah, totally. You know, if I just lived my life and done what I'd done and just stuck with my own thing. Which is, I think, what most people are like everywhere. It's, I guess, an effort to do what we do. Yeah. We pick up on those things. Yeah. But that's something I had to learn. Yeah. I mean, definitely more exposure, more connection, um, you know. Um, but I think, like, I know some people will, you know, like, you know, you probably get the same too. It's like, oh, well, you know, I want to go do something. What should I go do? You know, I feel like I'm still discovering so many different things. There's so many layers just in San Jose and still even if you look at Palo Alto and Mountain View and Los Altos even has got you start peeling back these layers in all these different communities and there's so much going on and there's so many things that um so I feel like I'm I'm only I don't think I've learned it. I've discovered that there's so much more to discover and it's exciting, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think I way more than I did when I was growing up in the you know in Evergreen. You know, I have way more appreciation for downtown. I never we would never went downtown. We never left our little kind of neighborhood and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And which is fine. I mean, I don't I don't think people have to even. You know, what I mean, there's some great reasons out in the nice suburb areas where they can have great quality. They can get their food. They can get their entertainment. They can get their community. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. They want to do that. So I don't know. I don't. What I I don't know. So I've learned. I I have a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. And too. that's what started the magazine. Was yeah, that yeah. was the big thing? Is like, oh, this is gonna be easy. I'll take some pictures, do some interviews, and then we'll post them on a blog. And then ha, ah. famous last words. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, right? I mean, right. you have a podcast, right? So you're probably thinking in terms of yeah. how do I get more listeners because I want value and impact of what I'm doing. And right. then wait a second, I could do those kind of things, but then that's going to lose the authenticity of what you're trying to do. I mean, so right. 
you know, that's so always I, a struggle. No, no, you're, you're very right. You're very right. And right now, I don't even worry about listeners anymore. You know, it's more about, you know, and I got this from Rory because we talked about Rory before recording. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's about the body, the body of work. Totally. Uh, and and uh, yeah. I think uh, I think that's what it's about sometimes is just do the work. Yeah. Once you have a good body of work. Yeah. Then maybe it's ready to put it out there more. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But, uh, but so the concert magazine gets published 2012. How has it changed to what it is now? Or did you feel like it, it stayed relatively the same, the vision? So um, the vision of the value of people is completely the same. Um, the things that have changed is we've learned, and I've learned a little bit more about publishing, printing, and doing a magazine. Um, so we've, I think we've improved the quality of our writing, the, pro- the quality of our editing and proofing, um, the process of flow of production. Um, is much more known now after 36 issues you know what I mean um, so those kind of things um, you know but at the same time it it's still not <laughs> it's still not at the quality of what I want <laughs> of what I've envisioned you know what I mean so that original goal of what this could be I'm still chasing after it to get it there mm-hmm. even though we've made great improvements albeit kind of slowly because I'm a slow learner learner and you know um, but you know so it's the vision has always been about the people so blessing the community that's the same how we do it what we can do and add to it um, and improve it is always kind of changing and turning and I'm always thinking about that Hmm. yeah when you're meeting so many people you know, almost on a monthly basis, you go through quite a lot of people of all kinds of backgrounds. Yeah, you know, from entertainers to chefs to to people in the entrepreneur. Yeah, actually, uh, just on field. that, I meet a lot less now because I'm more kind of of a team. Yeah. you know what I mean, which kind of bugs me because I want to meet everybody, but um, it's not quite. I don't meet that many people. I've spent a lot of time just at my office at my computer sending emails. But when you did, <laughs> was there like a similar trait you kind of noticed in everybody? I, yeah, I mean, I think that's why I got into it. Is that I, I think that there are, I think that there, humanity, there's, everybody has is the same, and the need for connection and identity and value and love, you know what I mean, and and passion and vision and hope and all those kind of things. So, um, you know, I think that those those are incredibly interesting. In, you know, you know um, topics to me so I think that's what I'm fascinated about to talk to people about and then you see that everybody's really concerned about that you know so people are concerned about politics in this current state of administration and stuff like that but they're really not they're really not about politics they're really looking about how do they make a better way of life how do they how do they have peace right in their community in their own souls you know in this existence and in some ways how do we all feel good how are we right, American dream right um, liberty and the pursuit of happiness right so that's really at the core so um, I think that everybody is searching for those things and everybody's applying different experiments and tools and habits of trying to grasp the inner peace and the communal peace that they're, that we're all looking for mm. and I love finding out about that and talking about people and seeing that you know not, you mentioned that now you're more you're, you know 
set, taking a step back and more controlling the bigger picture. Uh, do you, do you miss being in the trenches though? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's a struggle. I'm not yeah. really. I'm not. Uh, I'm not fully <laughs> ready to let a lot of stuff go, and I don't think I ever will because I love. I love being involved. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm. In the, I'm trying to figure that all out. I, I'm actually. I'm. You know, thinking of like, is it. You know, is it better for me to have more photographers so I do less of the photography? Mm-hmm. Is it better for me? I mean, quite honestly, it's it's the best situation is for there to be someone who's really knows how to do publishing, who can really run the managing of the functions, and I'm released more to kind of do the actually do the photography, meet the people, and connect that way. So that's more kind of. I think the goal that needs to go, even though I have to probably do some of these other things short term to get to that other goal. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you know how it is. You got to stuff. Yeah, it's tough. right. Yeah. But those administrative logistical things are so important. They are you know, very as important. Fun, as fun as the creative stuff is, yeah, it's yeah. like ah. But you know what? The, the great thing is, are the people who love that administrative stuff. They see the creativity in that, and that is right. beautiful. I mean, I love like editors. Right. Yeah. I just talked to this person the other day. Um, it was actually an intern. Uh, great guy, uh, Justin son who was with us this summer. He was like, "Yeah, he goes, but I love editing." And I'm just like, "What? Like, I can't even understand." But he loves editing, like going through and looking at the words and looking at the grammar and how the story's gonna be communicated and taking that. Like, even more. Yeah. And some people like that even more than writing, right? So I think that's the beautiful thing, and I think that you know that's what I discovered probably doing this, is that there's so not only do people have just value as individuals. But when we're connected, like our different talents and gifts and skills make up like the a better experience of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the editors and the proofreaders are behind the scenes and they don't get any of the glamour, but like we're so dependent upon them. Like the writer and the photographer and the graphic designers probably get more of the the they're like the the singers in the band versus the bass player you know what I mean yeah but you you look at that as like every single part is needed you remove the bass from the song it becomes totally different you need, you know the drums etc yeah how do you what do you look for when trying to what do you look for in a team essentially yeah I think and was it difficult at first putting together a team for this uh, kind of uh, endeavor yeah actually because I was with the church and it was kind of easy I had a lot of like people that were involved that's the secret get your own church right yeah exactly you know what I mean it was a community of people that wanted to that had a similar mission and wanted to do it so they had a passion for it so in many ways that was easier it's I think it's more difficult in some I mean it's some ways I think it's more difficult once you start to pay people Mm. once money Um, is involved makes everything difficult I think it makes it a little more when you have somebody that are just like I'm not making money you're not making money we're all just doing this for the sake of the community um, it's a little it's a little easier. The, the hard part of that is the consistency and quality, probably. Yeah. So once you start paying, the difficulty becomes then um, trying to still have that same passion and ethos, um, even though there is this transition of value based upon it. That's the interesting. So what I'm looking for in a team is I really want, you know, like anybody else, right? I want a team where that we gel together, that we're, you know, that it's fun environment, it's a creative environment, and we get the mission. And there's this real, because you talk about sacrifice a little bit before. It's like, you know, I I give a lot for this. Like, I, it's my life mission. 
I need other people, even if I'm paying them, though they have to have that same kind of ethos, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and at the same time, you know, there are other people that I'm paying and having them involved because I want to help them grow and then like build up their careers. And then so we have a process of starting out in a tier to get it. So, you know, look for, I've kind of brought it down to, this is like a long way around to get to your answer, but. Hey, take your time with it. I do two things. I do two things when I send out or connect with people is like one, I'm going to send you something to do an assignment to, and you're going to be judged on um, the quality of the work. Yeah. And then you're going to be judged on hitting the deadline. And quite honestly, if somebody's got great quality and don't hit a deadline, they're just as gone mm. as somebody who that's, I think that's the real key to creativity and success in world is there is quality and and timelines deadlines and uh you know it's sad that a lot of great artists can't get that like you know this is a production that i'm doing you know what i mean still mm -hmm. do it out of their soul and do it great work um and then it's, then it's other people who could hit deadlines and all kind of stuff but they don't just don't have that extra special sauce so the goal is to try to find those people that can that are both yeah yeah how do you deal with the emotional side of things, though? Like just dealing with so many people, dealing with it, with the, having such a big, you know, project like this, where it, you, hoping people like this photograph, hoping people like the, this issue, and because I know how it is, I get nervous. It's like, oh man, I hope it's a good episode. Yeah, oh, yeah, I hope nobody, totally. Did I say something dumb? I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but like, how do you kind of deal with that stresses? Yeah, I think. And, I, and trust me, people, I've li most yeah. of our listeners are creatives, and I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll get. The, they'll yeah. love to hear how you handle this stuff. Yeah, I think there's a balance between um, listening and then not listening, right? So I take in all the feedback. I hear the different kind of stuff, and I see the mistakes and all that kind of you know. And you know, people have all kinds of different ideas and suggestions and good stuff to how to improve and do it. And then there's another part of it that you have to kind of be like, yeah, well, screw you, I'm gonna do what you want. You know what I mean? So there's a balance between doing that. Um, you know, and dealing with people, I think that's the tough thing, even especially with, with creatives, right? So if it's a writer, you know, the writer's gonna turn in a story, and if they're a, a green writer, you know, they think that they just wrote like the great American novel, right? They've didn't, they've really, and the same thing with photographer, or graphic artist, whatever, you turn in this product, you're so emotionally connected to it and you think it's great. Then it's got to go to an editor, and it's got to go to a proofreader, it's got to do that whole kind of process. Same thing with photos. Stuff's going to get picked and chosen for different reasons based upon aesthetics, and I'm the creative director, so it all goes through me. So if I don't like it, it doesn't make any difference. If it's good, it's not going to go through, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to fight, there you find those things. So you're working with writers, you know, that might have their ego hurt because the editor had to take out 400 words because you wrote it too long in the first place and then it might not have been the story that you necessarily wanted and you feel like you know so you have to deal kind of with that but I think having made lots of mistakes in the process I think it makes me a little cold in some ways or a little set or a little determined mm -hmm. of this is the way it is this is not personal right your story sucked, rewrite it, or I'm not gonna use you anymore. And, and it's not against that person. Like, take this as a, a learning lesson. And when I say I'm sorry I can't use you, it's not because I don't like you or I don't want to use you. It's because I have to have this out on the newsstand for advertisers and sponsors. Right. And if you can't fit within that process, it, it, it's just not gonna work. So either you grow and you develop and come on and be a part, or you find a different way to 
to to use your talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's nothing. I mean, for me, like those, that's hard because I'm such a people person. I don't want to. I don't want anybody mad. I don't want anybody not like me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm very much driven by that kind of stuff. Like I want everything to everyone to be happy and everything to go well. So it's difficult, but I think you just get kind of, I, in some ways, callous. Are interesting. Callous. You uh, callous, cold, hard, determined, right. set, and maybe the better thing is an understanding of the process and being able to separate. And I think I've always had the ability. I'm always at. I'm able to separate um, my love for the person and anything that they do. So even if somebody who's jacked up something for us or whatever, yeah. I have no. I have no animosity towards that person like it's very rarely would I hate somebody mm-hmm. what they did is completely unacceptable yeah you know, you know I, I can relate it differently uh, you know because I, I run a, a comedy sh- a weekly comedy show at Cafe Frascati on Wednesday nights and uh, I kind of I feel like I'm on that level uh, who's been running for four years now yeah. if I if I if I could tell that a comedian is not taking it seriously performing I, I'm not as likely to like you know bump them forward or, or yeah. even you know, deal with them because I'm so busy dealing with the show. Yeah. But those that I could tell that are kind of you know really trying at the craft, and I take more. Yeah. The kind of kind of the thing with the teacher and the student thing, right? If they totally. see a student, you know, trying more. Yeah. They're more likely to pay attention to the student and yeah. really offer more guidance. Yeah. Is that kind of the notion yeah. we're going for I think here? That, yeah. Same thing. Like I would give somebody maybe who doesn't have much skill or talent or whatever more of a chance if I saw that desire, that passion, to grow and to learn. Um, then somebody who's, you know, maybe has some more natural talent or what, or even know whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things you can learn, right? The one thing it's that the you, work ethic, essentially, right? Totally. Like you know, actually, I used to, I, I do this, and I shouldn't tell anybody, but I'll, you know, I kind of, I'm not a fast responder on email, mm. and that's not just because I'm doing lots of emails. It's because I feel like those people who really want to engage are going to make it happen. And if I don't see somebody kind of pursuing, then it's like, okay, then I don't know if I have the time to give of my time to somebody who isn't going to take it serious as well. So somebody will send me like, oh, I want to do photography. They don't even send a portfolio. They don't send a link. I'd really like to learn how do you get involved in it. And I'll say, you know, this is the process. But I won't necessarily return an email that quick because if they don't send me a next one then it's like they're just spanning thousands of people looking for any kind of thing right right right. and i want people involved that get the mission that want to be a part of the focus who care about this community um and who want their work to be like a public service hopefully you know and we'll we'll pay them we'll reward them we'll you know they can have a career build hopefully you know as we're growing Yeah, yeah um but if they just are thinking of it like I'm a, a writer and this is my task, that's not really going to get to the ethos of the importance of connecting with people. The important thing you just said there was the idea of public service. You know, in some ways, yeah. it feels like it. Like, um, you know, although we know we're, we're we're doing stuff creative and putting stuff out there, it's not exactly firefighting. It's not exactly you know police <laughs> off. You know, yeah. but there is a feeling of like, oh, it's just, this is not about me. Yeah. It's, it's not even about the organization. It's more about the what we're doing with the community. Like I, I don't even consider myself. Uh, you know, a, I, I feel like my label I put myself as a podcaster is is pretty much uh, as someone who's archiving. Yeah, you're like a historian. I, 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 pretty much, like totally. I'm just archiving people's 
life yeah. stories and the creative journeys. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the same thing with the magazine. When I started out, we did one issue, and I said, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to be able to do another print issue, but at least I, you know, captured this snapshot of these people at this time for this. And then, so the yeah. same thing that you're doing, right? Which and that's that's but, yeah. It, which I totally regret, make, you know, naming this podcast the JMS Pod, which is my initials. And I'm like, that's so dumb because it's not even about me. It's about you know the guest, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and it's just you know it's it's something that's funny that as you keep doing this and once you you know meet these people, it's like man. It's but see, that's the, I do and I agree. But it is the same thing before though because this doesn't happen without you, right? Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of other great people that could. No, right, but it would be different, <laughs> right? Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. you shut down, then this wouldn't exist. So it's no problem having it named after yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it is I you. Feel weird about it, that's and all. you're engaged. You're inter- in interacting with the people and doing the interviews. So that is giving it a different kind of flow than if it was Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, in photography sense, are you uh, loyal to a brand of camera? Yeah, I mean, I'm loyal in the sense that uh, I already invested money, so that I'm not going to switch. <laughs> so sure. I, I had, you know, I was a Nikon user back in the day, so when I was going to digital, um, I bought a digital camera, and actually the first one I bought was a Fuji which was kind of like a nice, it was you know, and they built the bodies for both sides. Start that, but I had all Nikon lenses, so I'd use the Nikon lenses. So then, of course, you know, then you buy a new lens, right? And then you buy a new body, and you want it to fit that lens. So uh, the Canon Nikon debate, it's all stupid. You know, mm-hmm. it's they're so they all do incredible, great stuff. Um, so there's nuances and there's preferences and all those kind of things, but the technology is so incredibly. Wonderful. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference if you're a Nikon, Canon, Sony, iPhone. I mean, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's about the photo communicating a message, hopefully, like, I don't, you know, um, and light, right? Photography. I always right. tell young folks, it's like they just want to talk gear. And I'm like, you know, you never talk about light. All you're ever talking about is gear. Like, why don't you talk about light? Why don't you study light? And notice, you know, the light that's coming off this person's chin from the backlight, and then what this light is doing, and what the reflections of these things. That's the stuff you need to concern. What kind of mood does that have when the blue screen turns off? How does that change the mood of the of the the image in the environment? Like, that's the things because you can you can make a great movie, tell a great story, or do a great photograph, um, and have it actually technically suck. Mm. But if you've captured a moment. And if the light is there that tells that moment, because it's even more about the light than the subject, then you've really kind of done photography. I love your photography, man. Like, uh, especially your black and whites. Uh, I really dig them. Uh, And I think it really conveys what you mentioned before is the idea of storytelling in an image. where do you usually start off with a subject like that? What does it you look for to to convey a story with an image? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something I'm trying to to grow on and learn more of how to do that. Um, and I, I think I'm I'm always struggling. I'm never happy. I always want to do better and try different. And I like you so much. <laughs> I, no, that's that's. I think everybody who's doing anything, like we want to improve. And I, I think the thing is that for me is that, and I always ask artists when I talk to them, I get to do interviews, like, because I'm fascinated, is, is do you find yourself coming back to the same things because it's your voice or it's because it's a habit that you form? And I think oh. for me, I'm fighting that all the time. 
I have habits that I'm doing as a photographer that are based upon my own insecurities, my own um, past record of success that sometimes I'm afraid to break out of that and try something new. Um, so those are the kind of like struggles that I have. And I don't, and my thing too is that I think with photography, their photography is a, is a lying medium is what I always tell folks. And I thought, is it the picture lies? It's you capturing a millisecond of a whole conversation, interaction moment. You can have a picture of somebody who looks like they're having a great time, but actually in that room, like there, you were at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. You could have a photo where it looks like it's the deepest, like intimate moment with the, the their inner being, and reality was you say, "Hey, can you stand there and just look in the camera?" I mean, so there's that aspect of it. It's all sure. kind of smoke and mirrors, and so I know that, and so I'm not. St- and this is probably bad and this is probably give up. I am concerned like trying to get the person to feel comfortable, look comfortable, look natural. At the same time, I'm trying to catch them, right? I'm trying to catch them when they're not thinking about themselves. When they've gone they're not concerned of what they look like. So I'm 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 doing things to tr- trick them and catch them. And then I'm in, I'm observing the environment. What is, you know, who is this person and you know like the guitars and the painting and dolly and you know like in the movies you know what i mean and like the you know you know sombrero like you know what i mean like what are those kind of things saying you know and who's that person and then trying to capture those in a visual way to put them in there subliminally you know a little bit and but at the end of the day it kind of doesn't make any difference because if you get a second of that person where it looks like there's something in their eye the reader then is going to go into it and then create their own little story out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when, the, when it comes to the content of magazine photography, I was like, man, you make everybody look so cool. You know? <laughs> like, I got some friends on sometimes. I noticed, like, he looks so cool. I know he's not cool, but he looks cool. And I was teasing him about it, you know, uh, which, which is pretty funny. But, yeah, what are some themes you feel like you, you return when it comes to photography? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's the struggle is that I have influences um, and abilities. So I have photographers um, that I was influenced by, so, you know, the greats, like Alfred Stilgoats, you know what I mean? And Edwards Weston, like what kind of things. But then definitely Richard Avedon and Irving Penn and Cecil Beaton, like those, those guys, like I, those are photos that I studied and looked at. And I was looking at the magazine, I cut them out of the magazines, post them on my wall. Like, you know, Herb Ritz, you know what I mean? Even Bruce Weber, Stephen Mizell, like these kind of guys, like you look at, so you, you saturate with that and then you kind of somehow, and even Andy Lee Ritz, you know, like I half am always imitating and then striving to have a picture, a photograph or an image that's on that caliber that someone else would, I, you know, my goal is when I take a photo. My goal is I want to tell this kind of capture this person in some way. But if I do my job well enough, it'll be classic enough that it'll stand the test of time, and other people will look at this and be like, "Wow, you know, you know that." I don't know, you know. So that's you know, all those things are going through your mind. You get to a place, and then at the same time, it's like, I know I got a deadline. I got a schedule. I got to do this, and then or that person isn't willing to do this pose that I kind of had an idea of when I saw the space. And so you have to struggle and fight with all those different kind of things. And at the end of the day, you get it. And what you get is what you got. And you put it out there and you go on to the next photo shoot. 
<laughs> do it again. <laughs> well, what are some things you do to uh, make a subject um, either more comfortable or more willing to work with you? Because I, I, that's my biggest, you know, fear when sure. when doing you know that kind of photography. That's why I mostly stick with you know landscapes and yeah. street photography. You know, because I kind of like to catch people when they're not known they're being photographed. Yeah. But to deal with somebody who is you know working with and trying to. It's like they ask, you know, like, oh, how should I pose? I'm yeah. like, I don't know. You just, just stand there. I don't know. Maybe do this. Maybe do that. But, you know, it comes to a point where it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's not working for me. So how, how, how do you kind of process that in, in that collaboration? Yeah, I mean, um, so it's kind of funny because t uh, Tanya Lippert is a photographer that I know who does great work. And it's kind of funny. She spoke at one of our little classes that we had, and she talked about posing. It was kind of fun because I – have always just kind of been doing my photography and never really like had anybody else critique or talk about how they what they did. So she was basically did the same thing. I was like, oh, this must just be a photographer thing. So I actually I kind of like channel that person in some kind of I like I put myself in their shoes. I feel like, and how do would they feel comfortable? And now what would it feel like? And so I actually like if I was gonna do a photo view and doing this kind of stuff, I would probably say, oh, can you get up for a second? I would sit over there and I would get a feel of the space and then I would kind of have no the physical limitations and stuff and then I'd come back over here and then I would look at it do you know what I mean sure. and then I would yeah. see and then I would know like oh if I told you to do this that's gonna feel kind of uncomfortable and then but at the same time then I would be making all these millisecond little decisions like well but that uncomfortableness adds an awkwardness that actually makes the picture a little bit more interesting awkwardness right so i actually go for an awkwardness yeah, yeah you know and because so i you know it's that and then there's a lot of smoke and mirrors like i will i have a lot of nervous energy when i want to shoot um, because i am nervous and trying to get the shot mm -hmm. and but at the same time it makes me i get a little because of that it causes me to be a little bit more comedic and a little clownish in my behavior and actually talkative and yet over the years I've learned that that's a good thing because I can make people not think of themselves and continue a conversation and get it going and I'm asking you know frantic and if you know if I have to look like the buffoon for it I'll do that to get them you know what I mean so like if I have to like oh my gosh like I'll you know this is bad like you know I'll go like oh my gosh like I don't, I don't know what's wrong here I set the camera wrong what's what's going on let me just let me see if you're just looking for a second like and then take one yeah. right totally the camera's working fine every day <laughs> That's such a great trick. Yeah, yeah, and you know, but and I, and I, and I heard, first heard about that from um, Avedon, Richard Avedon. Yeah, where he would do sheet film photography, and I used to do that too. And so he would click. He said he would click around the camera and make these kind of noises because then the person would never know when the actual shot was happening. And so, because you know, there's a moment, right? There's a moment when you take wow. the picture. Yeah. That then the person relax, right? Yeah. So. There's all those kind of things, um, and it depends on the person. And I say these kind of things, and it's like, at the same time, it's having experience and some toolboxes, and yet, <laughs> does it work? Am I able to do it with the most being present in the moment of thinking of everything I do? You know, not, not all the time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I probably am functioning at 40% on a shoot of what I would do because then when I walk away I get 100 
thousand more ideas and posings, right? You probably do the same thing. Like you say, yeah. oh, I should have asked them this, Definitely. right? So you write it down and then someone else comes along and you have that question, but then you forgot to ask them that. You know what I mean? Same type of thing. Or sometimes I take, you know, hundreds of pictures, but I don't like one out of all of them. Yeah, totally. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah, but that's so much thing. time dedicated for this one image. Yeah, but like it's that's what it is, though, right? I mean, there's some images I was like, I don't like this, but I put it out there and people really dig it. So it's like, yeah. I guess it's for them. I don't know. Yeah, can you kind of deal with this stuff with your own work? Yeah, totally. I mean, I normally, and this is an insecurity and also some experience. I normally don't let people see the images that I took hmm. because some people will love anything, some people will hate everything, and some people will, and some of those they're right, you know. Sometimes somebody will just hate themselves and the photos. And so no matter oh, yeah. what you do, it'll even make them more insecure. So I kind of just have a policy. Yeah, I don't share the pictures before. We don't do that. And also I've gotten burned where I've showed the person what I was going to do for the layout or the pictures and they didn't like it. And then they vehemently said, like, you cannot print that. You need to do that. So now I said, like, you know, yeah. you don't have any of those rights. I'm the guy who makes the decision. This is what we do. And if you don't like the picture, and I actually had somebody that we did some stuff and they were upset with us and all this kind of stuff and they didn't like the picture. They wanted us to retract it, all that kind of stuff. I told yeah. them, you know what? This is a great shot. Mm -hmm. I love this shot of you. I think it really can be. And I don't really care if you're upset. I'm sorry. I don't want you to be. But other people like it and that's just the way it is. No, man, I definitely like, you, <laughs> you have to get that. We've been in podcasting. Sometimes I get emails that are like, hey, you know, I don't really this and that. Yeah. And you know, I try to be as nice as I can. But totally. there comes a point where you're like, hey, yeah. If I do that, it won't go out. And yeah. I'm already months booked, so yeah. it's not like I could just have you come back and do it real fast. Yeah. So, but you know, again, you know, it's yeah, it's interesting uh, when it comes to to working with others like that for sure. Well, that's the, the, I think in, in interviews and in these kind of things too, and that, like oh, I don't like to over plan a shoot because there's reality and spontaneity, right? Right. So if yeah. if someone said something in the interview and they wanted you to retract that or take it back or whatever. Um, you know, you might edit it out. Yeah. At the same time, they did say that. Maybe they misspoke or they didn't. They weren't clear enough, but that's still part of the process, right? It's still part of the conversation. Yeah. And same thing with photos. If someone feels like, oh, I, I was like, you know, I felt real tired that day and I looked tired in this photo. And I was like, well, you know what? I mean, my kind of thing too is that people are real. And it's like, that's, that's part of who you are. You don't have to be Photoshopped and all that kind of stuff because... You know, I love it, man. Yeah, you're yeah. completely right. Even though we do Photoshop a little bit, well, you kind of have to. <laughs> I do too. I've removed, yeah. you know, like a like yeah, a pole. Yeah. Like if I was to take a picture of you and like, yeah. like the if I have to replace the whole face. I yeah, get it. <laughs> no, no. You know what I mean? Like uh, the little branch that's on that that's coming on the black thing right there was disturbing. Like I uh -huh. would, I would just like nip it out a little bit, but I wouldn't like right. totally. You know, like give you blonde hair or anything like that. <laughs> hey man, make me look as best as, as I. I'm not. Uh, so, how do you feel the role of photography now in the Instagram age? I mean, because you've done photography before social media. Yeah. You know, you were the OG with the film and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Come, you know, now that almost everybody, you know, classify themselves as photographers and kind of, you know, some even make a, you know money out of yeah yeah their, those Instagram photos. How do you feel that changes your your view in photography and 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 its use? Yeah, I remember I kind of go on the thing of a friend of mine who um, was a filmmaker, Shad. He still does commercial films and stuff like that. And Shad Williams, and he kind of said that in the day of like, um, you know, with YouTube just starting and people getting films out there and all that kind of stuff, that the the cream and the quality stuff is still going to rise to the top. And I think that's still true. I th and I think it actually challenges every field in the industries to improve 
you know, um, because the access is so obtainable. And those that are really quality professionals and all that kind of stuff will rise to the top, you know, because people know, innately people know at the end. And there's great photographers out there. There's great photographers that are doing as hobbyists that do Instagram posts and all this kind of stuff that I'm baffled, like how great. There's people that are doing straight, kind of like raw street photography stuff with no editing. And there's people doing incredible manipulation. And I think all those voices are valuable and have a place. And if somebody is also crafty enough, they're able to take their Instagram or their YouTube thing or whatever it is and turn that into a livelihood and get an audience, then that's that's great, you know? So I'm not as, um, I'm not bitter against Instagram. I like it, I'm a visual guy, I love it, I'm inspired by it, I'm, I admire like so many photography, mm -hmm. so photography that I see on there. And I even love it when somebody who's just like, not a photographer and they capture a great and I look at it like why is that so good what did they do what did they get how did they do that and they don't even know it you know what I mean but I'm interested in it and I'm a visual junkie and I see it and I was like oh man I, I like that I liked looking at that so I you know I think it's great I think the accessibility it makes opportunities for for so many more people anybody any kid from anywhere can grab get themselves on a well not maybe like a you know new iPhone but they can get some kind of like camera or whatever it is and then start creating you know and doing that and finding their voice and finding where they fit in and I think that's I think that's awesome Daniel thank you for being here it's, yeah we're way a little bit over an hour I feel like we're going forever uh, thank you again for coming here great talking with you great picking your brain uh, where can people uh, check out your magazine and where can they check out your photography yeah how can they reach you so um, our website is content-magazine.com. Our Instagram, Twitters, and um, I believe the Facebook too is all just content at content mag. Um, and yeah, that's the thing to do. It. Subscriptions are incredible. Get a subscription because it helps us tell the stories of the artists and um, hire artists to help write the stories and do the photography. So um, that's it. Or if you want to sponsor or uh, give a grant, you can do that too because we're part of SV Creates. Um, which is a nonprofit arts organization, and uh, yeah, that's it. How about your personal photography? Is there a place to find that? Yeah, I mean, I have a website that I don't update hardly ever, but it's just DanielGarciaPhotography.com, and then my name is the Cultivator, so I'm at the Cultivator on oh, Instagram. Man. The yeah. Cultivator. Where did that come from? Because when I started the magazine, everybody said, "Oh, you're the editor." I'm like, "No, no, no I'm not an editor." Oh, you're the creative director. No, I'm not the creative director. Oh, you're the publisher. No, I'm not the publisher. Because I really don't know how to do any of those kind of things. So I was like, "All I'm doing is cultivating." And then they were like, "Oh, you're the cultivator." And I was like, "I like that." So yeah, I'm the cultivator. <laughs> that's badass, man. <laughs> All right, Daniel, Thanks, thank you for coming. Thank you. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Content Magazine, whether it's from your local cafe or the Whole Foods or to uh, the website. So go go ahead, pick up the latest edition of Content Magazine. With a lot of beautiful photographs and a lot of beautiful people in it. All right. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you have any questions for me, please email me at jmspodcast at gmail.com. Have a great one. Take care. May the rest of your weekdays uh, be good to you all. And uh, you'll hear back from me next Sunday. Next Sunday. I can't wait already.
Have a good one. Sayonara.